As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. To Be Honest is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Yo, do you know that you can see a view of your seats before you even sit in your seats? Man, I wish they had this back in the day for me. Well, and it only takes two taps too, so check it out. So head over to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. Welcome to another episode of To Be Honest. I'm your host, D'Angelo Williams, and your co-host, Jake Seeley. Before I get to ask you, you know, what you did this weekend, how everything go, I have to get to this because this has been bothering me for a very long time. Can you please help me understand why Jermaine Whitehead gets cut or fired for tweets that he sent out from an unverified account? <laughs> Wait, so, so can you uh, please help me understand this well so two parts one is i can understand for if did you see the tweets did you, did I did you see, see all the of them this is why this is why it bothers me because okay. when i said what i said about uh paid manning when i when i say certain stuff about certain people i get inboxes from people talking about you know threatening tweets or my family stuff like that and then I can repost it on my thing and people are like, oh, you know, people are just awful. You know, that's about as bad as it get. It doesn't get like, hey, somebody gets fired or we track that fan down that put that in my box that I just now made public. We, we don't we don't look for them. And from what I was told, uh, the way verified verified accounts go, if your account verified, then they can quote you. They cannot quote you on an unverified account. Well, see, I don't know about that part, but see, I kind of think you're thinking of it one-sided. I understand what you're saying, but I know personally from a company that I worked for, 
that you can't just tweet whatever the heck you want if you're some random Joe Blow is this if somebody came at you, D'Angelo Williams, and said, oh, you're a piece of blank and you ruined my fancy day and I'm going to, if I ever see you, I'm going to cut you in the back or what, you know, like he gets fired from his job if his job finds out about it. So I'm not where I think that's the disconnect is I, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, I think when it was to that level, I don't think everybody out there is having free reign that aren't in the NFL. I think there are people, actually, I know one that loses their job because of saying such things on the other side of things. That's crazy. I I, I was blown away uh, because all he had to do is say, you know, uh, somebody hacked my account or um, uh, it's just freedom of speech comes with consequences, I see. Well, yeah, well, especially you don't have the freedom of speech doesn't protect you from threatening somebody's life. Okay. All right. I, I, I saw a few of the tweets where <laughs> I think that's me. the problem. Well, so let me ask you this, because Zuri and I, our producer, we were talking about before you got here about the show is you didn't really have Twitter to the level that Twitter's at when you were playing. And, you know, obviously White was frustrated with the game. I hey, look, I get frustrated as well. Like I hate being wrong about my accuracy with my rankings and stuff like that, because I hate letting people down. I, I think it's completely different as a player that when you're frustrated with your play or with the game or however it went, and then the last thing you want to see, and I'm not drawing a parallel to say, I understand where you've been D'Angelo or where Whitehead's been and all that type of stuff. But I know the last thing I want to see is somebody come at me Sunday night and be like, I can't believe you told me to start blank over blank. You're such an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Like, and that's, even lesser of a level to what you guys see. So if you had Twitter to the level, would you just say, you know what? It's game day. I'm not going to look at Twitter for at least 24 hours because I don't want to make the same mistake. Whitehead, do you have, are you saying that you understand a little bit of how frustrated he would be? I, 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 I do. I, I, okay. I do. I, I totally understand how frustrated he is. Um, I used to do that after a game. Obviously it wasn't as what it is right now then, but I did it after a game. And um, I, I always try to be witty and kill him with kindness and not use any profanity. But not everybody has that gift or necessarily have the mouthpiece, if you will, to to turn it around and be clever at doing such that. So when fans say certain things to certain players, um, they think it's OK. But how de- depending on your disposition, like I, there's not a lot of people in this world that would send threatening messages to James Harrison because of his persona. You get what I'm saying? Right. Like the certain athletes have certain personas where you just like, you know, that that guy'll kill me. Like that's <laughs> what you tell yourself. But then there's other guys where you don't quite truly know and that's when you you roll in the A bar. I mean, or you 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 gambling and you rolling the dice because you don't exactly know how this guy's going to respond. He was frustrated. I to- I get it. I understand there's no history there. So because there's no history there, and this is his first time offense, I found it to be a very high penalty to pay firing somebody. Granted, he may have threatened somebody's life, but he also apologized too. And we know that in America, if you apologize and you're sincere about it, uh, we can move on. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with that point. I'm not 100% on the same page. Like, look, it is a steep price. And whether or not it's fair and the fact that they they made an example of him or chose to drop the block on him at this point and didn't do it with somebody else who was to a lesser degree, whatever it might be. But I think the only part where I disagree was like like the part where I've actually seen 
like fans, if you want to call them fans, the person, like you can't just say whatever the hell you want just because you're a fan. It goes both ways. It's basically what I'm saying. So I understand what you're saying, but it also goes both ways. Right. It's it's not like that fan that, that, that came at him is going, I mean, the worst he'll get, what is his account suspended for 30 days? Yeah, but if the fan came at him and said, I'm going to stab you in the back next time I see you, <laughs> I think that hey, if his job found out about that, I wouldn't be surprised if they let him go as well. Is what I'm saying. I guess that makes sense. Does it feel a little bit better? At least a little bit? I, I, I feel a little bit better. It was it was bothering <laughs> me, but now that I got that off my chest, man. you know, How was your weekend, man? It was amazing. It was terrific. First ever trip to Notre Dame. Have you ever been to Notre Dame? I'm never going to Notre Dame unless you play on my Memphis Tigers. You would never go. See, that's but that's that's what I was going to say is I feel like if you're a college football fan, like a big fan, you got to go for the yes. experience. Like not just the game, like seeing touchdown Jesus, seeing the grotto, seeing the dome, seeing the chapel, like going around the entire campus and just the experience. Like I went and sat in Rudy's bench where he got his acceptance letter from the movie. Like it was just the experience of being there, which was just really awesome. It was an amazing place. And D'Angelo, I said this to a couple other people. We've talked about it before on this show about how athletes in college should be paid. And I texted you as soon as that news broke last week and you were saying good. And we're all after seeing. So I got sweet tickets from my buddy's former student whose parents have sweet tickets. Now I'm talking sweet tickets. The entire level is shared by all the suites. It's free food and drinks. Well, not free, but it's paid for. Also, when I found out how much the tickets were, D'Angelo, and how many seats are on these two levels, and the fact that we'll just put it in the fact that it's seven figures for one season, the amount of tickets that's being paid, the athletes better damn well be paid after I've seen how much <laughs> money was up there. I mean, you know, I was already agreement to begin with, but this even just cemented right. it even further. Well, see, that's that, that's the thing, though. It's uh, uh, a lot of people don't understand from the aspect of they can only see the world through their eyes. And I totally understand and I get it. So you can only see the world through i guess your earning potential if you will so when you're down right. in the regular seats you don't know that those suites up there exist and that they're making so much money off those suite tickets because you've never fathomed that you can only stick with your you know your price point so then when you get a taste of it, you're like man they are making money <laughs> and not Seven only figures. are they making money you find out there's a lot of rich people that live in this area <laughs> I will say this, D'Angelo. It wasn't very diverse up there. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying. Not even age wise either is what I'm getting at. It was just right. Was a very, so everybody was super old. It was. It's yes. It's it, what you would expect of cliche old white family people. Yes, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> they, they probably have no interest in the game. They just come because it's just something to do. How was yours though? You went. You oh, went my, to your school. Yeah, well, I went to my school. Uh, I went to check out the University of Memphis. We played SMU's uh, 15-23 matchup. We had college game day come. Uh, it was pretty cool, dude. It was The city turned out for college game day. I think it was between twenty and 30,000 people at college game day. I, I didn't make it. It was I just couldn't fight the traffic and fight all the people downtown that was on Bill Street. Uh, it was an amazing atmosphere, man. We sold out the Liberty Bowl, and it was uh, we sold out at fifty five thousand nine hundred fans. Uh, I mean, fifty nine thousand five hundred fans, and half of those—not half of those, but maybe four thousand—was SMU fans. So it was all blue. 
it was just a beautiful scene, man. I got emotional because that was my first time ever seeing us sell out the Liberty Bowl with only Memphis fans, well, majority of the Memphis fans. The last time we sold out, it was like half and half. You know, you you give the other half to the, the opposing team and, you know, you hear right. the cheers and the boos. But literally, the Memphis fans controlled it. And I hope that atmosphere is something that, that we use for the rest of the season where everybody get addicted to it. And it was like, dude, love that atmosphere because I'm pretty sure it was a lot of first-time people at a Tigers game that – I feel like if they think that energy is there every week, that they'll turn out every week. But yeah, you're, you know, we're you're now inside the top now. twenty. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we're nineteen right now. We're idle this weekend. You know, hopefully a couple more teams lose. We we have a strong chance of seeing Notre Dame potentially. I was just game. about got, to say we might have to go to a bowl together. Yeah, we go to a bowl game together, Jake. It's gonna be bad. I'm telling you <laughs> right now because I'm very passionate about my Memphis Tigers. And you seem like you more of a so-so kind of guy. Like, not so-so, like you're 100% in, but you really don't want any confrontation or smack talk. <laughs> no, I, I could definitely do it on game day. That's a, that's not <laughs> that's not a problem. I, actually, I did spend the entire second half inside because it was 25-mile-an-hour winds with 35-degree temperature, and it was just too dang cold. That was, that was, that was ripping through. Seriously, See, that's know. what I think is that's what I think is funny about you, Jake. <laughs> you would have never got cold if going inside wasn't an option. <laughs> <laughs> no, I that's well, you're right because I would have layered up three more times. They told us right? <laughs> so the seats that are right outside the suites are supposed to be heated. So she's telling us about. Oh the seats. wow! So you were upset that the seats that were supposed no, to be no, heated no. wasn't heated? No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> like, you have changed, Jake. You have changed, No, she's bro. saying, well, it, this experience did ruin, ruin going to football games in general for me. But anyway, she's like, they have the heaters like at Top Golf. So I went with a long sleeve shirt and sweatshirt and regular jeans the end because I was just like, oh, well, there's heaters. I don't want to be sweating. Like, it'll be a good balance. If I had known, to your point, you're right, but for a different reason. If I knew, if I was like down in row 40 on the lower level, I would have worn a long sleeve type of like, ski pants or something under my jeans and a second sweatshirt so you're right i wouldn't have been cold but not because you're saying that but because i would have prepared better <laughs> no no you 100 <laughs> percent. you have rich man's blood now man oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the heated seats are not working out here i'm going back inside <laughs> wow what a terrible problem to have, Jake. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not even first world. That's like upper first class first world problem. That is unbelievable, man. You turned quick. I never thought I'd see today, man. Now, oh, now you're not hey. going unless you're in a suite and have heated seats. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, I'm not at that level yet. But hey, you want the perfect segue to that? Because speaking of turning quick, how do you like that, D'Angelo? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> segue for you. Speaking of turning quick. The season has turned quickly for the Cleveland Browns. It is. You, it is. So I got first question for you, D'Angelo. Are they still the most fun team to watch? Because <laughs> they, they are still the most fun team to watch. I saw a guy in Baker Mayfield start the game off with a full beard, have a goatee at halftime to a mustache <laughs> during his interview, all in one same one game. <laughs> That's fun to watch. You can see uh, the transition of. I guess he was. I, I don't know where he got the time to shave. Uh, <laughs> so obviously he didn't uh, retool or prepare at halftime when they were going over what it is he needed to do because he was in there worried about shaving his face. Um, I got to tell but you, yes, though, they he, he, huh? here's the thing. 
if you watch the game and then look at his performance, if it was if you hadn't known the Browns heading into this game and just saw Baker Mayfield play that game, I think most people would have come away and said, you know what? He did pretty good for facing the Broncos defense. But because of the expectations, because everything coming into this game, because everything on their shoulders and how disappointing they've been, I think he got more criticism than deserved for this one specific game. I, I, I agree, too. I It's because the expectation is so high. And I knew coming in when they got all those guys together, when they assembled the Avengers, if you will, <laughs> I knew that when they got out there, there's no way that they were going to be on the same page. It takes two years or more to gel and become a team as it relates to just put, putting puzzle pieces in there. This is not like the NBA where you can plug a guy in, he can get traded the next day, and then he's playing and he's on the court and he's being productive and he's doing what he, he – it it does to, you know, get your team to a win. Well, when you have these guys come in uh, with Landry and, you know, OBJ and now Kareem Hunt, uh, Chubbs, uh, Baker Mayfield, no expectations last year. They go 7-8-1. and one. Um, So then everybody was like, oh, they're definitely going to the playoffs this year, and they start stepping back. Well, you know, there's a few coaching puzzle pieces that are missing, and then I'm not so sure Kitchens know what he did. It is he wants in his offense. Because, you know, you go against the uh, Patriots, you're running the ball, and Chubbs go for over 200 yards almost. Yeah. And they stop running it. No, it, it, and so I think that's where we got to go with this question is, are we putting this on kitchens? Because from the fancy aspect, I'll like yes. tell you this, dude. I'll ta- here's here I'll tie it into you from my world, D'Angelo, is in what I write, a, a waiver column every single week. And we know Kareem Hunt's coming back. And for this entire season until the past two weeks, I've been saying Nick Chubb has no threat of Kareem Hunt. He's too good. If you've watched him play, he's not going to just lose touches just because Kareem Hunt's now active. You don't do that. However, the past two games, as you're bringing up, Chubb's snaps and use has dropped down to 60%. You saw it at third and one and at the goal line. He's not even on the field. They have Dontrell Hilliard in. So is Kitchens... Possibly the problem was Kitchens, did he overstep his ability in the fact that he was a good offensive coordinator and now he's, I, I would say, his head's underwater? I, he, he's, he's juggling a lot. Uh, I'm not saying he's juggling a lot from a personality standpoint because once the game starts, practice and things like that, you know, you don't have any problems at all out of your star players. It's when the cameras come on is where it looked like there's conflict because let's just be honest, stars come out at night and – you know, if you have an alter ego, that's when that's when it's time to showcase it. So I don't think he's having any problems from that standpoint. I'm saying he's juggling a lot because his defense isn't playing well. A lot of guys on that defense isn't playing well. Uh, his offense isn't playing well. His offensive coordinator is not doing a great job of putting Baker Mayfield in a, a, a great position. And then the hype that's surrounding the team and I'm sure the GM and the fan base – and the owners are just pissed because they're like, look, dude, you know, we went out, we spent all this money, we got all these, we assembled all these Avengers, and you're not producing. Well, it takes time in the National Football League. It takes more than just a off season and a training camp to get a team on one page, especially when you plug in weapons like OBJ. I think uh, Kitchens is overcoaching himself because he feel like, hey, every time we snap the ball, you know, OBJ will be double teamed. So we we base our offense off of throwing away from OBJ because we know right. they're going to double team and he's he's overthinking it and now OBJ is running down the side the sideline one on one wide open and Baker doesn't even look that way because in practice he was double team. 
So, <laughs> so it's just, it, so you, it's plays you think like it, that. Well, did you see Andrew Hawkins' tweet where he says, there's no reason to trade for Odell Beckham and pay him top-notch money if you're not going to throw him in that situation? And shaking my head. So do you think that's part of what it is? Is It's it's all back to practice and it's not actually it's, the It's game all day? back to practice because we, we used to do it all the time in Carolina and we did it in uh with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We took Steve Smith or uh, A.B. and we was like, hey, in this situation right here, third and anything does not matter. Third and long or third and five to six, we doubling OBJ. Second and long, we double them if they don't have a, a run game because we feel like that's what they're going to go to. We're creatures of habit. So if we're used to going to a certain player on a certain down and a certain distance, then they're going to play it that way. And so they feel as if, hey, you know, teams are going to have to double OBJ, not knowing that, you know, well, even knowing that Landry is the possession receiver over in Cleveland. It's just I feel like they're receiver away. And I'm not saying A.B. will be a great uh, uh, fit there. I'm saying they're receiver away from uncovering OBJ and Landry. Uh, and, I mean, that's just how I feel. That's why I'm going to continue to watch them play. <laughs> All right, so then real quick, and we'll get out of this, is the two parts, Odell Beckham being frustrated in the sideline, as Odell Beckham has been when he was walking around talking to himself and then saying, you know, I can't get the ball to save my life. So are you under you understand and understand? Oh, the I totally understand his frustration. I totally understand his frustration. Him watching him, and I wish I could have heard what Tom Brady was saying on the sideline because Tom Brady was talking to himself too. But nobody's talking about Tom Brady's talking <laughs> no, to himself they never because do. the level of success protects him, and OBJ doesn't have that. They literally had the same that had the same mannerisms and same attitude during and after the game, but we're only talking about OBJ. I mean, yeah, it's because he's got the history. So how do you fix right, the team? He has the history, but uh, Tom Brady has history too. He just has the history of winning and right. OBJ doesn't. So that history of winning excuses him from this conversation because OBJ's history is losing and we want more out of the loser than we want out of the winner. That's, uh, I, I, I can't disagree with you there. So how do you fix the team? How, what are you, what are you so, doing? Is it just going back so, to so practice? Fix the practice. Yeah, you got to go back to practice. You got to give me one more year. This offense is new to OBJ. Uh, it's somewhat new to uh, Baker Mayfield because this is his second year. He's going into it. He's learning the checks now. But now how do I learn the checks with an, a true number one receiver? Jarvis Landry is dynamic, but he's not as dynamic as OBJ. And that takes some getting used to. Like you don't go out, you don't go out and buy a Lamborghini or Ferrari and think you can uh, learn it in three or four months and be able to get out there and do what it is guys have been doing for you know six or seven years in the same offense. Yeah. All right. So then let's talk about on the positive side. Uh, surprise to many, uh, D'Angelo. You know this. It's not a surprise to me. Yeah. Lamar Jackson. It's part of the reason the Patriots got their first loss. I know you're probably happy about that. On this, the Lamar Jackson side of things, just as a player in general, and I know you're coming from the offensive side, so I guess you can answer this two ways. Is What do you feel like this does playing with a quarterback like that? And then if your defense, what does that do to you when you have to worry about somebody that can run as much as he does, like Robert Griffin, Cam Newton in his prime, all these quarterbacks, Russell Wilson. Like, What does that do to the offense, and what does it do for the defense? I was just you do realize I played with Cam Newton in his prime, right? Oh, of course. I, that's why I threw <laughs> yeah. him in there. <laughs> so I, I've played with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, yes, I've played with Lamar Jackson. I the think, same, the same wait, thing. Wait, Lamar what did you Jackson say? Cam doing. Newton's a slightly better passer and a slightly lesser rusher. 
the, right now, yes, but not well, when no. he was in his prime. I said I played with Cam in his prime. I'm talking about prime. Prime right. Cam was doing what Lamar is doing right now. As and even a better passer, I just didn't think he was ever quite. The, I mean, we're talking about Lamar Jackson's going to hit like a thousand rushing yards. Yeah, he Cam Cam was really close. Uh, that was fair. He also All right, so the, okay, so what did he, he set what, the record what, as, his rookie year with touchdowns uh, by a quarterback rushing? Uh, so he he ripped it up with his legs. That's why he's in the shape that he's in right now because <laughs> he ran so much. And it was a different league too. Like now you can't touch. There's no proper way to tackle a quarterback. No, that probably came with what Cam is experiencing. He was taking those shots. He was a guinea pig. He was a goat. Like, hey man, <laughs> we need he was somebody screwed. to see if <laughs> he, the NFL yeah. screwed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's he was the guinea pig. We're gonna see. I mean, going out of bounds. It was it was unreal the amount of shots that he was taking because everybody see him as Superman instead of seeing him as a football player and not letting other guys take the shots that Cam is taking. All right. So how how much do you think did it help you or what is it like? I get, give us the insight to what you feel it's playing a, it's with a, that. It's a, it's a gift it and a curse defense? having it's a gift and a curse having a mobile quarterback. The gift is this: at any given time. He can make plays when it's time to make plays. Like he stepped back, uh, his improvisation, not only can he run, he can pass. It put a strain on the defense as it relates to picking up those important downs, the third and threes, the third and twos. Uh, It almost forces you to play man-to-man with a spy so you can cover all angles just in case he runs. You can manipulate and uh, guess what the defense is going to be with a mobile quarterback. That's 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 the the caveat, that's the pro. The con is this. Whenever a play breaks down, mentally you don't know what the hell to do. <laughs> 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 because you don't know if you need to stay in your route, you don't know if you need to block, you don't know if you and that's when a lot of the penalties happen because defenders panic and they grab a guy or offensive linemen panic like, oh, snap, it's been eight seconds and he still has the ball. That's when everybody's looking for work, if you will, or or trying to figure out what they need to do. If it's busted on a run play and you're supposed to get the ball, you don't know if you need to block or you need to look back and jump on the ball because it's potentially fumbled. Literally, <laughs> you have no idea <laughs> what you're supposed to do. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but it is the truth. You have no idea. Like, oh, snap, it was supposed to be a handoff. He kept the ball. Oh, does he know he doesn't supposed to throw the ball because there's linemen blocking downfield? Like, what is he? Is he going to, like, toss it to me? Is he going to burn it? Do I need – is it a fumble behind me? There's so much going on in your head <laughs> that some guys just kind of stand there. You see, you see on busted plays where guys just kind of stop you like, well, what did he stop for? Hell, they don't know what to do. <laughs> it's the truth but so uh, on the flip side of it but doesn't that isn't that you can say the same thing for the defense they don't know what to do no they don't but they have the they can fall back on their defense though i i remember times prime cam when we was playing with him he had so much going on in his head he called the play he'd get up to the line and he forget the damn play and then he'll come back <laughs> to me but it was only on running plays though it was only on running plays the rpos because it was different RPOs, like, you know, you run this RPO, the wide receiver outside has a slant. You know, you run this RPO, he has an out. Or on this one, this is a fake RPO where you fake an RPO 
and he's faking it out, but he's really running up. So, you know, when we came back to – when he came back and he was like, yo, what did I just call him? It's just because he's letting me know, like, look, I'm not finna give you the ball because they're in the, they in the position of where they're stopping the run and I got to throw this. I can't remember what the route was on the outside. Because, you know, coming up to the line, you guess like, oh, okay, it's first and ten or first and seven or whatever. It's supposed to be a rundown. And you get up there and you, you're not even thinking about the pass because for the whole game it's been a run. So now you get up there and you're like, oh, crap. Uh, what was the pass that was attached to this? Oh, it was this right here. Get under there, fake the run, throw a slant, and everybody's just like, oh, yeah, he's he's accurate. He knows what he's doing. He's checking plays and stuff like that. No, he forgot the play. He was getting the play. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't checking it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's swing this back to the negative again. How about that? Are you feel you feeling okay. fun with this? We're going positive, negative. We're actually negative, positive, negative this time. Gardner Minshew, is the magic uh, over? Is, is Minshew magic over? We get here's the question. Like I, I say that tongue. It in never cheek, started. Ha-ha. It never started. Oh really? Hold on. Hold on. It okay, never started. Stop, stop it, Jake. He is a backup quarterback. That is Nick Foles' job. Okay. Why does everybody make it seem as if Nick Foles lost his job to this guy? He didn't. He didn't. He's hurt. And when Nick Foles come back, it's going to be Nick Foles' job. So let's just be honest. He has no pressure on him. And I've said this, and I'm going to continue to say this, and I'm going to continue to to beat this drum as long as I possibly can. Kyle Allen, uh, Menchu, uh, all these backup quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, all these backup quarterbacks, they have no pressure on them because they are not the starter. Now, when you announce them day one as the starter and now it's their job to lose, people's perception of them and their expectation of them change, right? Like, so, you know, Kyle Allen, he goes down, he goes into San Francisco, he loses 54 to 13, like some astronomical number. They talk about it for a couple of days, like, ooh, you know, nobody played well, you know, blah, 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 blah. You put Cam in that same situation, his career is over. True. His career is over, and everybody's saying that's Cam's fault. So there's different there's different expectations for job titles as it relates to the NFL. He does great for a backup. You, See, you hear that all the time. He does great for a backup. So I, I don't know. I, I guess it's a statement with a question, D'Angelo, because I don't necessarily agree with you on Gardner Minshew. I agree with you. You're a hundred percent with he has no pressure because he's not the star. Right. He wasn't he wasn't paid by Nick Foles. But I think watching him, he's played well enough to have the job, even with just it was essentially only his second poor game. The first one was against the Saints defense, which has just been destroying everybody this season. He's got this team wins. He's got this team wins on his play alone, the game in Denver specifically. We can go back to that one. So I think it's at least a conversation to say, is he the better option? Um, And that's where my question comes back to you. Do you think his play isn't even in the conversation because it's Nick Foles' job no matter how good Minshew plays? Or do you also think Minshew just hasn't played that well? I I just want to – are you asking me this from a fan's perspective or are you asking me just from a Jake perspective? Uh, it's, it's just Jake perspective. The fans perspective okay. is everybody went with the reason Minshew why I'm Mania. asking you that from a, <laughs> the reason why I'm asking you from a Jake perspective is because Teddy Bridgewater played well enough in new Orleans to keep that job. As soon as drew Brees got, healthy, uh, see, I think he, that's different. It's this, it's not different. Granted, forget what you know about this. The same thing. You have a starter in Nick Foles. You have a starter in drew Brees. 
Nick Foles come. I mean, uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater come in, highest paid backup ever. He comes in, he wins five straight games. Obviously, he's the hot hand. Hot hand. You look over here at Gardner Minshew. You're you're saying because Nick Foles doesn't have the history that Drew Brees has, that's yes. the reason. When it's the situation is still the same. See, Don't give I me the history. Give me the situations are very similar or the same. It's just that. Drew Brees is a future Hall of Famer and Nick Foles isn't. But the fact of the matter is, is they both got the same amount of Super Bowl wins and the same amount of Super Bowl MVPs. No, so here's what I'll come with it is I think Drew Brees to Teddy Bridgewater, the talent is significantly different. Like you asked Teddy Bridgewater just to keep the car in the lane and not crash it while Brees was in the back getting something out of his, you know, <laughs> his cooler while you're on a road trip. Just like, just don't crash the car. Drew Brees gets back in the seat and you're making double time. Like that's like Drew Brees is a significant. He will win games for the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater was and just Nick Foles just will too. See, I, but I think Minshew did. I think Minshew won games too. So what? I told you that game. And go okay, back Jay. to that game in Denver. They don't win that okay, game without Gardner Minshew. Okay, Jay. I'm not. <laughs> I'm. I'm a fan of Nick Foles. I, anytime you you're good enough to get your backup quarterback paid, I'm. I'm with you 100. percent He got Carson Wentz paid. Carson Wentz didn't play. Uh, he didn't even play great that season. He played average. But because they felt like his ceiling was high enough, they paid what they thought he was worth. So I let me stop hating. That's what I'm doing. I'm hating. They paid him for what he was worth. But Nick Foles went in the, the Jaguars, and I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I know. Yeah. I think. And, and you know, I because Nick Foles got hurt, I'm like, okay, it's over. Because they were, they were a quarterback away. But Minchu and, um, Minchu and uh, Baker Mayfield is the same quarterback. All right. So then let me ask. Let me leave it at this. Let me Last question for this. If Minshew didn't have a bad game, would Nick Foles still need to be the starter in your opinion? Or is that what he, yes, yes, he still needs to be the starter. You okay, can, you and I think that's where we differ. You shouldn't have to. Yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to lose your job to injury. You should come back and prove it. Like, granted, you know, there's a lot of cases out there. Tom Brady, uh, Mark Bolger. There's a lot Tony of. Romo. Yeah, there's a lot of cases out there where you can say a guy got hurt and a guy came in and they took their job and. You know, but there's also more than a lot when it comes to guys that came in and stunk it up and the, the starting quarterback had to come back. I remember one Eli Manning getting benched and cost himself the coaching staff. <laughs> well, that was just mismanaged. No, oh, so yeah, it was mismanaged. But when you the organization you, is a joke. When you, you pay somebody, we have to go a show without bringing up the the, the Giants. Come on, man. Well, I, I just I, I just want to make this analogy though. <laughs> if you tell me if you'll fire him or not, if you pay a guy to go find you a car, a very expensive rare car, and he bring you that very expensive rare car back to you, and it does not work, and you find out like, dang, and he knew it didn't work, what you gonna do? <laughs> Get rid of the guy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, trust me. I told you we gotta go with the show without like bringing that one up. <laughs> let's talk. Okay. Let's, right. let's talk a head coach, a head coach that you've had. Uh, somebody I've talked to in person, uh, Mike Tomlin. There's a uh, Mike Tomlin. You were actually speaking about him this past week, and I've got to just go like open this up for you. 
because it seems a lot of people out there hate Mike Tomlin year in and year out, you know, looking for reasons to get him fired, looking for all this type of stuff with the Antonio Brown situation. You know how it is. You've been there. I, I know it? what it is. I, yeah. I know exactly what it is. Yeah, but, and I can tell but, you what it is. So tell us what it is, because now I will say this, D'Angelo, there are people that are finally starting to speak up and saying, you know what? He's been doing the best job he's ever done this year. Well, I... I, I knew he was he was doing a great job when I got there. Uh, just how he looked at things and uh, just talking about the interaction after us losing uh, to Denver. You know, I was hurt. Le'Veon was hurt. Ben was banged up. Uh, A.B. was hurt. It was coming out of when we beat uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, and then made it to the next round. And then, uh, you know, everybody, basically everybody was hurt. Ben was banged up. We go in, we lose uh, on a true stunt fumble. Uh, we come in at halftime. I mean, after the game, you know, Coach, Coach Tomlin is he has tears in his eyes, and he said he failed us. You know, uh, you know, we just didn't get the job done. We fell short. That's on me, guys. I apologize. And you know, he brought us up, broke us down, and he said we got to get better. We just we just wasn't good enough today. Um, walked off, and he was hurt. And I'm thinking to myself, every coach that I've ever been around that when we've had significant injuries. They make sure that they put it in there. You know, we got to learn how to overcome injuries, guys. You know, uh, you know that that's what God is. We got to be careful. Got to be better at you know preparing ourselves. Like they they don't never take. He took full credit for the loss, and it it made. I was like, wow, that's that's big. And obviously, a lot of people. The reason why they gave him hell though, and they wanted him gone, is because of the talent he had, and not winning Super Bowls with the talent he had. He had Ben Roethlisberger. He had Antonio Brown. He had, you know, Le'Veon Bell. They was putting up astronomical numbers. And then he had a talented surrounding cast, uh, you know, in, in Wheaton and and um, uh, other guys that played really important, intricate roles that could have got him there. So there was always explosives on offense. And then it was the defense that didn't step up and, and do what it is that they needed to do in terms of stopping teams. And the head coach, is a former defensive coordinator, so that's his specialty. So everybody was thinking, man, your defense should be on point. That's what you do. That's what you specialize in. But your offense is putting up a ton of points. So I can see why fans would say, hey, you know, we want this guy gone because your level of talent was – you was way more talented in certain positions than New England was. And New England was, what, five, six, uh, five? And, you know, we should be like them or better because we have – our talent pool is way – uh, higher than theirs, so I think that's what it was. The 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 urgency to win championships and win a bunch of them like New England was with less talent. So do you th- do you agree with the fact that he's getting credit finally for this year, or should he yeah, deserve he, the credit the entire time? Yeah, the the only reason why he's getting credit now is because of the Antonio Brown situation. Everybody's like, "Yo, this guy flew off the handle, and you held it together for like seven plus years with this guy. Like, how did you do that? Like, you have to be." You know, you got to breathe a sigh of relief. So the I guess the the crazier the Antonio Brown situation got or get, <laughs> the better for the Tom more Lee. credit that he'll take. <laughs> do you think well, do you think some of the credit was with the Ben Roethlisberger too, though? Yeah. I, I mean, he's getting more credit now as a coach because he doesn't have any of the guys. That right. that was one of the knocks too. Like, hey, you know, how good is Coach Coach Tomlin's coaching if he didn't have Ben, if he didn't have AB, if he didn't have uh, Le'Veon, and you know, it was always how good is Ben without Le'Veon and AB. 
So we thought those questions were going to get answered this year, but those questions didn't get answered this year because, you know, uh, AB and Ben are, I mean, AB and Le'Veon are gone. Ben's hurt. We find out how good his coaching is. They're four and four, and they got a favorable schedule heading up. And I think they have a, they have a strong possibility of making the playoffs without any three of those guys. And if he, if they do, he should be coach of the year. I was just about to ask that. We're we're doing too many shows together already, D'Angelo. <laughs> so I was just I was he just be about coach to say, of the year. Yeah, I was gonna if say all they, all team, they have to do is make the playoffs, right? They don't even have that's to win it. much. That's all they have to do is make the playoffs, and then all that changes. Hundred percent, all that changes because they that's what the fan base want. Because the fan base for many years heard from other fan bases, "Can y'all do it without AB? Can y'all do it without Le'Veon? Now can you do it? Y'all dumb. Y'all shouldn't have did this, y'all. So how do you shut those naysayers up? Make the playoffs without all of them. That'll bring a humbler Ben uh, Roethlisberger. If people think he's, uh, you know, uptight or however you feel about Ben, you'll know when he come back, he's going to be even better. Um, Apparently, you know, the Steelers reached out to Bell when they were trying to find another running back when Connor got hurt. And a lot of fans, yeah, a lot of fans was like shocked. Like, why would we go back to him? Like, you know, it was a money dispute. That dispute is settled. So, you know, business is business. We're trying to win football games. He know yeah. the offense when he come in. Hell, he can help your backup quarterback that's leading your team better than anybody in that offense. If you hear my voice here, that means we've reached the end of our ride. But there's good news. You can listen to more of the show and get 40% off by subscribing to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash to be honest. That's theathletic.com slash to be honest. You'll be able to hear the full show and D'Angelo's most honest takes of the episode. Okay, now you know. Tune in next week, and we'll talk soon.